On the following episode of Digital Bath Podcast, we do not interview Mike Flanagan. We do talk about the motherfucker, though. Enjoy. Amanda. Hi, Chris. Hi. Tonight it's just me and Chris. Yeah. There's no one but yeah, there's a whole nother couch, but they're on they're like on their they're on their own shit. Fuck them. Nah, whatever. No. Uh welcome to the Digital Bath Pot. Hi, man. No, I almost said Digital Path Podcast. Man, my fucking brain's fucked it's up like tonight. fucking Axe Body Spray. I got <laughs> the Bodcast. The Bodcast. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're opening these games. <laughs> you know what I thought is I was like, man, I need alcohol. I am fucking panicked. stupid right now. I fucking panicked. <laughs> I panicked. Well, all right, he bottoms up. I panicked. What do, you, what do you call that? I panic popped. Here. I hate it when I panic pop. Oh, that's a lot to figure out. Do you hear that? It's like the headshot sound in PUBG. No, it's like the frying pan sound in PUBG. Close. <laughs> I mean, it's real quiet. Oh, yeah. It's like a, it's good. It's got a silencer on it. <laughs> on the frying a pan. It's, like a, uh, it's called a an dampener. Oven. On it. <laughs> it's got, it's got a, a, a nonstick layer. That I'll check Some out. All right. All right. For really real though. That on tonight. Tonight. Uh, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Here we are. The four amigos, minus one amigo, plus one amiga. Chica. Oh, to amiga. I can still be a friend. Oh. Yeah, I mean, amiga. not my friend, wow, but that's whatever. I find out. Amiga X. Amiga X. What? I don't know. I'm trying to be Latin. Move on from the Spanish. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Back to English. <laughs> Here we are, the four of us. We've got Amanda. I always want to call you Amanda and not That's Amanda. fine. Which a lot do you people prefer? Call me Amanda. What's your favorite? My favorite? Yeah. Uh, Top three names that involve Amanda. Anything but Mandy. Fuck, that's going to be stuck in my brain now. All right, so we've got Amanda here tonight. Then we've got Jesse. Hello. Oh, good. (laughs) I don't like using last names. I don't want to fucking point us out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want people coming looking for us. Where's that motherfucker, Jesse? Forticelli. (laughs) Forticelli. And that uh, asshole Dakota Fettuccini. <laughs> well, the long, the Letty what? what the the Fettuccini boys. Thank you, uh, Chris. Uh, Where's the pasta fair? Pasta fair. No, we're the we're, we're, no, we're the the Chini boys. The Chini oh, boys. The Chini boy. what, the is, what was the boys. first thing you said? The Fetty Wappy. No, I don't brought to you by Olive Garden. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. No, yeah. you can't have it. That's, when you're here, that's, uh, your guts are gonna hurt. The Twilight Podcasts one. I'm Chris. Hi, Chris. Yeah, we know. No, okay, we good. We did, I say, did I say? Did I announce myself? Thought no, so. I keep oh, looking over. Buddy, there. whenever you open your mouth, you're announcing yourself. They just know, <laughs> motherfuckers just know. Uh, well, tonight we are uh, gathered here anyway. today. Damn it! it! We are recording at night. Yes. It's oh fine. yeah, we're recording. It's fine. Yeah, fuck you. But you can listen to it. it As a listener of this podcast, I will say I've never heard it. You guys say tonight, and I go, "Excuse me, it's 10 (laughs) a.m." Listen, asshole! Don't fuck up my walk. I don't know. You're you're walking in the. I'm I'm talking for you. Usually at work. I wasn't calling you an asshole. I need to drink more. Uh, So we're going to talk about Mike Flanagan and his uh, body of work, as it were. Can we talk about his 
what a uh, significant other? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that'll come up. I feel like that's, that's important. important. Uh, yes. Whoa. Okay, cool. <laughs> She's wonderful. She is. Is she just She's, she's just in the swellest. She's a nice lady. Wonderful. Oh, she's really pretty. Uh, oh man. I get lost. So so for <laughs> for listeners that may be a little confused, um you absolutely know who Mike Flanagan is. So probably he, You've heard of him, tangentially at least. Yes, he's he's yeah. come up at, at some point, or at least something he's done is come up in a conversation around you. Uh, on if Facebook you're in the horror or, world, for well, sure. I, even not, I feel with um, uh, his first Netflix show that hit, I mean, that kind of just absorbed the mm-hmm. internet. So, um, yeah. He's definitely somebody who attracts people who aren't into horror. So as frightening as his yeah. works are, they still tend to draw in people who would not normally be seeking out horror pieces. Yeah, he's a, he's a writer, director, producer of many works An now. Editor. And editor. He edits a lot of his own stuff. His actually original job was a reality TV editor. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, and yep. he that was horror for him. So Thank you he, for coming to the dark them, side. Some of them were like crime shows and stuff too. Yes. So. so so he started in the business but decided, you know, he wanted to do his own thing. Um, and I, I think why maybe people gravitate to him is he's a very good drama uh, mm-hmm. writer, director, and the oh, horror sure. comes with it. Um, well, I think uh, one of the many things that makes him really similar to Stephen King is he doesn't see himself or his works really as horror. He just coats them in horror. Um, and Stephen King absolutely does not think he's a horror writer. He calls himself just writer of stories he doesn't tell horror stories and mike flanagan has the same thing which makes sense because uh he started idolizing stephen king from a very young age so he he's super influenced by him and i think we'll probably get to that well and something very notable about uh mike flanagan is um uh, especially with his his tv shows that he's done um there, there are moments where there's nothing of horror happening. It's just it's a character drama, and and you could take those out and and still have a complete show. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially with um, uh, his newest show that he did, um, there are moments where I'm like, I'm not even watching this to be scared. I'm just like hooked on the character What's development. What's gonna happen next? So, for sure. So I didn't look too much into his first work, but I think. A couple of you guys have. What was the first thing he kind of stepped into? Well, he had a couple student films, but the first thing he did outside of that was a film called Absentia, which still looks and feels like a student film. Yeah. Um, it's not super high quality, and it's very cerebral. Well, it was shot in his apartment. Oh, that's his apartment. That is his okay. apartment. It was shot at no cost to him whatsoever with that a very small crew. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh. It feels like something that the people around me in college made as like movies and stuff. You just kind of cast your friends and it begins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doesn't did it feel like Mike Flanagan to you? No, watching it. Not especially. I don't think he developed his uh, his style per se that much at this point. It just I feel like he was setting out to make something that was just kind of creepy. Yeah. And I would definitely rate it as. Kind of creepy. Well, so his inspiration for it. So Absentia has been out for 10 years. Um, I'll give a brief synopsis of what it is without trying to explicitly uh, spoil it. We'll just, we're going to spoil okay. stuff. You can, you can watch you it can, on Tubi I was like, You free. can watch it on Tubi with ads, which sucks. But. Yeah. We'll, we'll I, let you know if, if we think you're 
you should be missing out on something. So basically, these people are disappearing. One person in particular, this woman's husband, has been missing for seven years. And uh, her sister moves in with her because she's pregnant and comes to take care of her. She's not, like, revealing why she's pregnant. Really look until for a new place for a long time. Yeah, they want to. She wants to move out of the area where her husband disappeared. Um, becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that it has to do with this tunnel, uh, this footpath tunnel that's in the neighborhood that leads to a park. Um, and there is a monster later on. But what's interesting to me is I, uh, he was asked in a podcast what scared him as a child. And he said the first thing he remembers scaring him is an episode of Fraggle Rock. That's about. <laughs> have you what? Do you know? No, go okay. ahead. I'm just. Fraggle Rock was definitely before the oh, three of I, us. Oh, do I know Fraggle Rock? Yeah, did you watch it? You want it me to sing you the fucking theme song? Fuck yeah. You I know might about be the Fraggle only Rock. person in here old enough to have watched Fraggle Rock as Look, a kid. Look, you can watch it anytime, all sure, right? Sure, but like <laughs> it being on TV. If you want some good the TV. The Terrible Tunnel was an episode of Fraggle Rock where Fraggles literally disappeared oh, going into the tunnel yeah oh, he fuck, said it man. was the scariest thing he'd seen as a kid he was like back. like seven or eight and Ooh. fraggles would just disappear in this tunnel yeah, until uh this knight went <clears throat> to rescue them and made the tunnel give back all the fraggles but he sacrificed himself <gasps> in the process spoilers it's scary for a kid's show very but spooky. he basically made that into this movie awesome because I was watching it and I was like, I swear this is exactly what he talked about with Fraggle Rock. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, you know, he was still just getting out of doing the reality and mm-hmm. w- would you say the crime? Crime, like true crime shows. True crime shows. Yeah. And he was um, uh, uh, he was going through the pregnancy of his first child and he was, you know, it was kind of at a point where it was like, if I don't do something else now. It, I may never get the chance again. I'll be too busy. So, um, you know, this is this was his first attempt to get his name out there uh, as a, a a horror guy. It's definitely creepy. It um, the pacing is weird. Yeah, uh, it's kind of dry and slow. But uh, and the sound design really, uh, I didn't like. You could I, tell he didn't do it himself. I'm pretty sure they used free. Yeah. Free sounds because there's like two major string bu- budget for sure. Yeah, there's two yeah. major themes in the song. There's stuff's not happening, so there's whatever kind of music, and then there's creepy music when stuff's kind of happening, and then you know it just gets louder when it's when bad things are happening, mm. basically. But so humble beginnings for sure. Yeah. yeah. So he moves on, and in 2013 he comes out with the movie Oculus, which he wrote and direct. So Oculus is the only thing in his like main catalog I haven't seen. I can't get my hands on it for free, so well, well for a streaming service. Two notable, well, I would say a few notable stars: uh, Karen Gillan, who went on to play mm-hmm. Nebula in the Guardians of the Galaxy well, series, not already had a successful career in, in Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. Absolutely, um, Renton Thwaites, who became uh, Dick Grayson. Became a dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah in that the guy? Titans TV show. Okay. Um, had Katie Sackhoff, who had already been in Battlestar Galactica, uh-huh. and then um, um, who else is she? Bo-Katan. Thank you. <laughs> and then uh, his uh, future wife, Kate Siegel, so uh, is in that movie as there's well. There's a funny story about how she ended up in that, too. She had actually auditioned for a Mike Flanagan project before that, and uh, the project didn't end up happening. So whether or not she got cast, nothing happened. Um, but he called her for Oculus because the actress who was supposed to play that role broke her leg. And couldn't do it. Mm, happens so a couple times in his works. Sure that, does. Uh, Interesting. That actress uh, brought them together, and 
started something by breaking her leg. So you haven't seen it? Have either of you two seen yes, it? Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. I saw it before I was aware of the Flanagan. Same. I think a lot of people did. It was kind of his first big, I remember being advertised to It is his first big movie. I mean, it's his first major movie that he did. Right. Chris, have you seen it? No, not at all. I was I was saying I wanted to see it and then it got away from me. And then much, much later in life, I woke up in the middle of a YouTube episode that was like, and this is the twist in Oculus. And I was like, (laughs) fuck. So something that caught me off guard about it. Well, first of all, it came out in a time. I mean, it's still a thing, but I really feel like from like 2013 to like 2017 was just this crazy reign of like. Every two weeks, a new awful horror movie yep. was coming out. You know, I was um, uh, just out of high school. It was yeah. the conjuring I, effect. Yes, I was just out of high school, and it was like there was some PG-13 um, horror movie coming out, just like teenagers and masses, and everyone was trying to get a part of it. Well, that's what did it was the— Well, and Paranormal Activity, I think, also had yes. something to do with oh, that. Oh, it was the, for sure. The— mass of pg-13 horror movies the the sudden trend of doing that so that teenagers could go see it because they're the main market for movies in a movie theater teenagers absolutely so but i I remember when i watched and pg-13 movies i hate them (laughs) i remember when i watched it though being like oh this oh this actually is carrying a story fairly well and in, in, in the the uh, progression of it and everything that was happening. And it is a very morbid and, and bleak he, movie. He said that that and um, I think Ouija are like his most nihilistic things, like his most nihilistic pieces. He was at a weird point in his life where he was like, screw him. <laughs> like everything's yeah. dark. I hate it. Like that kind of thing. And then we get onto his later works and there's actually this thread of hope that, and especially at the ends of them that there's this uplifting kind of moral message. Whoop. But those ones he was like, no, <laughs> everything is dark. Oh, really? I, I hear he had the most fun on Ouija out of any movie he's oh, ever I done. Oh, I didn't say he didn't have fun, but he, oh, okay. he said he took a very nihilistic approach to it. Sure. Uh, it's, it's a cool movie. I think it's worth watching. I, I want to see it. At the time I saw it, you know, I, I, I liked it. I don't think I thought too much of it. You can see some of the, um, things that carry on to his later works of kind of these, was that in the background? Did I see that? Was that really there? So you have some of that going on that he definitely brings into his shows later on. The eyes. That's like when he starts messing with like, he does a lot of stuff with the eyes and his yes. work. Yes. Absentia had that too, where, mm-hmm. you know, you could kind of see his, his, um, vision starting with with uh visuals Mm. Uh, one thing i forgot to mention in absentia is how he um took a uh experience from his life to make it and that's something that would absolutely go on through the rest of uh his work but there's a scene where um the woman whose husband is missing she hears him she's asleep and she hears him downstairs and she goes down the stairs and sees him standing on the other side of the room and he she goes up and touches his shoulder and she's looking at her hand not his face and when she looks up at his face he's turned around and is screaming at her um and that's facing away yeah he was facing away his shoulder and when she looks up his he's facing her and screaming and that was um something that mike flanagan experienced but has now come to accept was a dream because he does not believe in ghosts. He says he does not. Absolutely. Sure, he doesn't. He says he's open to it. And any like hotel he stays in, he always asks for a haunted room, like anything like that. He's trying to reach out for guys. it. He is. He said when he went to the hey, Stanley. Ghost. Piss off. The Stanley Hotel, which is 
notably what The Shining is based on. Uh, he sat up on the top floor that was used for the children's nursery. He sat up there all night with a handful of candy, just waiting. He, he wanted a child ghost to talk to him so bad. And Bro. he's just never experienced anything. But he had this dream about, and it was a family member that he dreamt about who had uh, committed suicide. Mm. And also would come through in other works and stuff. He said it impacted him pretty deeply, but he used that exact imagery for that movie. And then um, a similar thing to Oculus, like he he brought in a lot of feelings from his life for that movie. I want to see it, but like there's some mother tones through that movie, right? Yes, very much Themes. so. Yeah, the, yeah, that's the centric part of the story and to why the mirror, which is the whole point of the story, is involved in, in how things happen to them because of the mirror and they mm -hmm. want to try to confront it. And that's essentially the story. But um, yeah, definitely worth watching. Not my favorite work of his by any means, but definitely a good start. Yeah. What? I haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> I told so, you that earlier. So we'll, we'll go like, to, don't look at me. We'll go to chronologically what got released. The next big uh, work that actually got released next was Hush. Wow. Um, which, again, he wrote and direct as well, um, that also featured Kate Siegel again. They were already dating by this point. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Samantha Sloyan, who has been in several of his works as well. Mm -hmm. Most notably, if you're watching Midnight Mass, which is his newest work, uh, a character you'll hate. Yeah, she's the villain. She's horrible. Oh, for sure. So Hush came out of um, the next movie that we'll talk about, out of it being in limbo. Yep. And so he wanted to work on something in the meantime because he thought that um, the next movie we talk about was never going to come out. So um, it was a smaller project again for him, just like the uh, – uh, I I've always horrible with the name. What's the first movie he did? Absentia? Absentia. Absentia. If you're old, Absentia. Just Absentia. 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 It comes from for absent in – like in Absentia. Absentia. Being declared dead in absentia, okay. being absent. Because they can't find oh, you not abstinence. for so And, and uh, uh, the, the premise of it came about because um, uh, Katie, Katie or Kate? Kate? Kate. Jesus Christ. I think he um, calls her Katie, though, so it's oh, okay. easy to, yeah. Kate um, had told him that she wanted to do a role that required her to um, not have access to one of the tools in her toolbox is the way that he said it. And so that's how he came up with the idea of doing Hush, mm -hmm. which is about a, a deaf woman that lives by her, herself. And then there is someone trying to break into her home and kill her. That's So that's the first Mike Flanagan thing I ever saw. I just saw it on Netflix and I was like, oh, yeah, it looks good. And I watched it and it sunk into my bones so deep that I just could not stop thinking about it. It immediately struck me as one of the scariest films I've ever seen. I still haven't watched it. That's one of the, I know, one of the works I haven't <laughs> now, watched. What? Now it's, you tell us. It's, it's free. It's terrifying. Good. Um, it's, it's on my list. I definitely, obviously, want to watch it. Also made very cheaply, yes. too. Um, they small actually, cast. Yeah, super small like cast. Like seven people total. Uh, what, they rent that house, right? I'm not sure. I think they just rented that house for a weekend or a week or something. They had a very short amount of time to film it. Wow. Um, they couldn't even do ADR after they did like a little bit of ADR, hmm. not much. They couldn't afford much to the point where the most of this movie is from the point of view of a deaf woman. They need to, um, you know, make it feel like how she's feeling it. She can't hear anything. So they instead used a lot of sound effect. They used the sounds of um, glaciers cracking and the sounds of uh, baby in utero. Um, yeah. What are those called? Ultrasounds. Yep. Um, to give you the feeling of not being able to hear anything. But they also had to cover up the sounds of the camera 
of the crew, all of that, and they had to do it as carefully as possible. Yeah, and so, I mean, the the, the movie that was in Limbo was Before I Wake, Mm -hmm. and um, one of the major issues that uh, Mike Flanagan had with that movie was he felt like sometimes he wasn't completely happy with the dialogue that he was writing for the characters, and so something that he liked about Hush was that it has almost no dialogue in it. So it was more about telling almost like a silent movie almost, uh, telling a, a story that's not based on the dialogue itself. And yeah. so that was the challenge for him, while the challenge for Kate was, you know, having to play a, a deaf person. I want to say it has under 12 minutes of dialogue total. So, that's insane. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, yeah. A, it's a great movie. The pacing and it's done really well. Um, and for such a simple yet unique premise, I think it, it really does a lot. And I, this is still before his lore had really started mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, like the, the I, people started looking for his works because of him. You know, I still think that hadn't happened no. yet with Hush. But I remember when that movie came out and I was talking to people, I was like, hey, you need to watch this movie, Hush. It's awesome. It's got, you know, this unique premise. And that's something that I think carries his stuff, too. Every time he comes out with something, it, it always has this unique spin on what he's it's, doing. It's, for me, one of the scariest things he's made because it is so wow. based in reality. I I recommended it to my mom, and she had to turn it off because it was so scary. Uh, like, it, it definitely has a, a sensitive and underlying... You know, as a guy, it's something that I don't really have to think about. Guys don't have to think about. But I, I think for um, the female audience that it definitely carries a different meaning because it has such a... Um, uh, uh, unique, it, 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 it plays to the... To the um, uh, what am I trying to say? To the, you probably can't say it right because you have a penis. Yeah, no, no, no. That's <laughs> no, absolutely right. It, it feels very predatory. Yes, like yes, she's being hunted for real, and she's stuck. And he's toying. Yeah, like he's having a good fucking time. Unfortunately, it just as a woman watching it, you're just thinking, I, I can see this. I can, yes. I can easily mm-hmm. imagine yeah. this. I've been followed at night. I've been stared at. Like by some stranger, I I have this fear. Well, fairly early on, you realize that he realizes that she's deaf, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, yeah, that's this is gonna level. be fun." Yeah, and and <sighs> one of the craziest scenes is you know when she's hiding um, upstairs in the the bathroom, and he sneaks in behind her, and the and the only tip that she gets to pick up that he's right behind her, she can feel his breath mm-hmm. on her neck, and it does a zoom in and it shows like the hair on her neck standing up. Ooh. Yeah. That's creepy. And Dude, it's it'll fuck your shit up. I think it it helps that Kate Siegel helped him write it. She contributed to it, so she definitely had that. She's got it all. She's, She's got it all. I listened to an interview She's with her, nice too. Lady. She's incredible. So, um, <laughs> is that a whole page about are her? You like, no. <laughs> are you like, are you like, in twi- in, her name just written all in over the piece of paper. In 1982, she was also, born. Also, <laughs> Hush is the first um, public glimpse of Midnight Mass. It is the book that, that, she's working that on. her character is working mm-hmm. on. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, Flanag- the Flanniverse. Which Mike Flanagan worked Flanagan. on. For, it was a book at first. He actually wrote three chapters of it. And when he and Kate Siegel were dating, he was having her like read it and give him feedback. Then it became a movie and then a series. Apparently it got turned down as a series a lot. But that's you fools. the first time um, anybody saw the phrase Midnight Mass right. in the Mike Flanagan right. verse. Um, and for the people listening, there's, you're going to have a lot of, if you're not super familiar, you're going to have a lot of these aha moments to be like, oh shit, he did that? Mm-hmm. Oh shit, he did that? It's just the dots are going to keep getting connected. When so the, No, nobody else? Okay. Oh shit, what, Yeah, uh, Avengers Endgame, he did? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Um, also, I think the first time Mike Flanagan had to work with a cat was that movie. Is there a cat in Oculus? 
I can't remember to be there's honest a, with you. When you look back on it, there's a lot of cats in his There's always stuff. fucking cats. I feel but like there was like a cat in Oculus. I think there but was. It turns I don't remember. Out, uh, I like heard today he there's a, there's a dog. He yeah. hates working with cats. He said oh. they're impossible to direct. So well, yeah. Um, what the they're fuck? Cats. I know. On the cats. last movie, cats and Bruce Willis. He's getting his revenge. Our last I know. show. You're I like, know. no. Oh. He said that too. What an <laughs> asshole. Really? Yeah, what a fucking piece of shit. So I love him. What's next? Is it Before I Wake? Before I Wake was the same year. Okay. Um, and that was the next movie that came out that, again, he directed and wrote, which had some notable stars, uh, Kate Bosworth mm-hmm. and Thomas Jane, who and I love. One is probably one of the first movies Jacob Tremblay well, definitely was one of the in first at movies. all. It was before yeah. Wonder. He, he uh, joked well, that he discovered him. Oh, I forgot about the that, room. That little movie. Yeah. 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 He joked that he discovered no, uh, Jacob just... Tremblay. Yeah. Um, Annabeth Gish, who's going to uh, make some appearances throughout mm-hmm. his work as well. Um, kind of, a again, a smaller cast. Um, I th- a troubled movie, I think. Which one? Before I Wake? No. Nah. A, a little bit of a troubled movie. I felt like its purpose was a little lost throughout. Um, yeah. And I can see why he's... Str- I think I can see where he struggled in that. It's... It doesn't feel like a complete movie when you watch it. Fix it. I like Before I Wake, but... Wait for him to fix it. I thought he was done. Okay. I like Before (laughs) I Wake. (laughs) She turns around. But I can definitely understand when people don't. I do still watch it thinking, oh, this doesn't feel quite polished, finished enough. It's by far my least, I think, favorite work he's done. Um some of the acting is great. Uh, Jacob Tremblay is an amazing young actor. Literally, already. that kid was just born with talent. Eyes. With eyes? Is that what you just said? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Two of them. Y- yep, but uh, with talent is what I said. Oh, okay, yeah. Talented <laughs> what eyes. The well, the eyes have it. This. <laughs> talent. What? I don't know. It's what kind of uh, one of his first forays into more. Um, Visual effects, I think, which aren't great in that they're, movie either. Which not. is too bad. But... It's a Netflix movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's that does, the... that's saying something at this point. Back then, it, it back yeah. then it wasn't, no. but now saying something is a Netflix film, you might be like, oh shit. I think it's also the first time he's not afraid to do something that is uh, really, really horrifying to a lot of people. Where you care about spoilers on this movie? Fuck no. He kills a kid. Oh, God. Like, I didn't know it was going to get like that. It just starts with chi- with little child death. Yes. Like, not, we're all fine with killing teenagers. That's whatever. But, like, this is a little kid. Well, and I mean, when he talks about that movie, though, he doesn't, he calls it the other side of, um, you know, Oculus, which was super morbid because I, I do feel like the overall tone and theme of the movie though is not of horror based it's mm-hmm. more of a of a, a mystical or a fantasy based yeah, fantasy based but the it, story. it definitely explores and you can probably speak to oculus doing this too but explores some um human emotions that people don't necessarily think of horror movies as breaching these kinds of topics like it's about a, a couple losing a child in a really terrible way and um and what happens after that, basically, and then well, about do you want to say what the actual premises though that the oh well, um, a couple loses their child in a drowning accident in the bathtub, and um, when they're finally feeling like they're able to heal, they adopt a boy who they discover can make his dreams manifest. Whether um, they be dreams or nightmares, right? He, well, he doesn't make them manifest. I should say they just do. So. Um, 
what becomes really, really sad to watch is he sees pictures of the boy who died and starts to dream about him. And so they find a way to see their son Coerce again. him into mm-hmm. making their child a reality. Yeah. And, and how it, that backfires. It Heavy backfires. Shit. But it's it's just such a sad, sad premise that he chooses to explore. And that was probably one of the first times I was like, this is so Stephen King. Because Stephen King did a very similar thing with Pet Cemetery. Yes. Was, oh, oh, it's yeah. almost like Mike Flanagan's Pet Cemetery. <laughs> kind of is. Uh, Stephen King had a fear. Kid of, Cemetery. Of his, his son. He literally had an experience where his son ran out into the street and uh, he yanked him back before he got hit by a truck. And then he went down the the horrible, the unthinkable path, path yeah. of, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I hadn't. And These are things you have to do if you're going to be great. You have yeah. to you have to <laughs> explore to like, the topics. darkest recesses of your mind and just go. Just keep going. So he, That's how I wake up every morning. <laughs> uh, when are you going to write us a book, Chris? It's, it's called just, I Hope I Fucking Die Today. <laughs> Jesus. It. I'll do the But you talk about that, that premise yeah. and you think that it's going, uh, like, just talking about it, I'm like, oh, my God, this sounds so good. I would read or watch or experience this in some kind of entertainment. But then you see it and it's like, there's just something missing. Yeah. It's, I, what is I, I it? I don't have this. I don't feel like I have the same... Um, uh, uh, waves looking at you guys i think it i think at most it's because it doesn't really stick to one genre i mean it does it does you know sit on the fence and so you know you're watching it and it's like am i supposed to be scared am i supposed to be feeling bad like is Mm -hmm. this um you know is this more of a fantasy or and it feels almost a little bit um you know like it's not sure and i think that's where that uncertainty comes from and and uh mike flanagan's even talked about when he was doing that you know he really started to get away um, from what he, he does best, which is um, trying to show too much because what he does yeah. so well is that he doesn't have to show um, the horror in, in order to build that tension, which he definitely does show it in, in mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff. He's great at that. Um, but but he doesn't have to lean into the the spectacle in order to to make a situation tense. And with that, you know, between the the dialogue that he felt like he was struggling with and then the visuals and what he was doing, I think even for him, it maybe didn't feel like one of his movies. But I still think it's totally worth watching if yeah. you haven't seen it. Like, it's not a waste of time by <laughs> any means. Um, the, the premise itself is really unique. So, I mean, um, I, I would still recommend watching it. I remember when it came out and I was like, oh, this is the guy who did Hush. Like, there was nothing like so at this point <laughs> yes at this point when it came out i think this was finally when as i watched the stuff i was, I, I was like this is a guy that's in this and this so i started to link his yeah. stuff together that he did um and it's funny that this came out kind of like the uh, thor situation with um cabin in the woods the thor situation the, the chris, chris Hemsworth Hemsworth. situation <laughs> thor's Where, and cabin you know, in the woods it was yeah. like film before but it came out after, after. the person mm-hmm. was bigger so yeah. with uh uh oh what's his name with the kid jacob tremblay jacob tremblay yep. cuz yeah, um, Room would have already actually come out, right? And right. probably also Wonder. So, yeah, this movie, um, the the production studio that um, funded it went bankrupt before it was able to come out. Oh, I didn't and know so that. it was actually um, picked up by um, Blumhouse. Yeah. And it was uh, redistributed that way. And that was the start of a pretty of significant a pretty good, relationship. Yep. <laughs> Are they still together? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Well, I, I think they did. Uh, did they did they do Oculus? Probably they did Ouija. That's so. what they did. I'm sorry. Guys, I don't did. think they did okay. Oculus. OK, 
Um, well, speaking of 2016, uh, same year, Ouija Origin of Evil came out. Not to be confused with just Ouija. Correct. Skip Ouija, go right to the origin Written of it. and directed by him mm-hmm. as well. Um, some notable actors that you'll recognize from his later works as well, Elizabeth Reeser, mm-hmm. Henry Thomas, who was from E.T., yep. um, and again, Kate Siegel <laughs> makes another very appearance. Tr- in a very Brief. small role, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was approached to do this by Jason Bloom, uh, Bloom Blum, however you want to say it. I think it. it's Blum. And, um, and he told him, he's like, hey, I would like you to direct the sequel to this. This movie did way better than we thought it would. Uh, and he was like, no. And Their they, bar must and have they been really like, low for what they expected. Yes. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, uh, he said, well, you can, like, what's what's a story you've always wanted to do? And he's like, well, I've always wanted to do, like, a 60s, 70s style um uh, story about like a, uh, a single mom that um, is wrapped up in this fake like fake psychic, fake psychic yeah. story. He's like, great, do that, and then shoehorn Ouija in there somewhere, Shove a Ouija and we'll board give you bitch. the money you want to to make it. And he was like, all right, you got me, you got it. So I, I've not seen this movie though. What happens? The Ouija board. Not even necessary to yeah. the film whatsoever. I mean, when the little Hasbro girl holds it up, I was. But it, <laughs> I it, think when it the is Hasbro held it up the know, first yeah, time, joking. I was like, "What are you that's, doing?" That's a very Mike Flanagan thing. She looks through the uh, planchette. Yes. To yeah. to see the ghost. That's a very well known shot in that. Yeah. Um, Man, fatal frame that but shit like, up. Like <laughs> you find mm-hmm. out. Spoilers for Ouija: Origin of Evil from oh, no. five years ago. I don't want to know. I'm just <laughs> you joking. Find out you that uh, no. You find out that the the Ouija board has nothing to do with the ghosts whatsoever. They're not. It's not a conduit for them. It's it's literally just a communication device. Hey. They're already there. They've been there the whole time and everything. It it struck me a lot like um The Conjuring. They left them alone until they pulled out that Ouija board because and they, they finally had a way to talk I, to them. They didn't say goodbye. <laughs> they definitely. Spoilers, they definitely played on a graveyard. Dumb. And they didn't they oh, didn't say yeah. hi the right way either. Remember the little girls like did it blah blah blah. She did it, yeah, all, the last time. All three of those the, the recipe the for two disaster. sisters and the and the mother, they all fucking broke the rules and they got what they fucking I thought deserved. it was I thought one of the rules was don't play alone. Right. It's also yeah. but they all so the they, which all they three of them do. play okay. alone. So they do they break do all that. the rules for it, but there's no definitive like, well, the Ouija board is what did it. That's so. why the ghost came. Sponsored by Hasbro. He Definitely really wasn't the World War II so, torture. So what did yeah. you guys think of the movie? Though? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, really? Yeah, I really did. I liked it a lot. There's Okay, I don't like supernatural horror that much. That's I like, a big part of the genre. It, it is. I like In Your Face gore i like 80s camp i like all that stuff but i felt like the little girl was an excellent little actress i thought she did really well in my Ooh, opinion it doesn't look like she make agrees. it just stanky face this is gonna be the meanest most judgmental thing i've ever Do said it. especially about a child i don't Fuck like that kids. little girl and i think she's ugly wow <laughs> I, i'm glad you broke her elbows which you just said to her anyway wow. she's not gonna listen to this she was wow. also she's in annabelle listen. um well, creations well, and there's just something about how it's i don't think she has eyebrows i think she has like blonde eyebrows. yeah she has yeah, blonde alopecia. eyebrows you know who's algo though her older sister Ugh, <laughs> redheads Am so I chris right? what well, is it that you liked about it though <laughs> I, I, I was trying to offend a bunch of people all at once um i just i really I liked just called little girl ugly so. i just really liked the way it was set up and of course i like when the actual when the little girl like gets possessed and starts like the the whispers in the ear and all that shit. It's just, and when a little 
when little girls don't move like you think they will and they do weird shit, it's that's creepy. the kind of stuff. Like the that exorcism. Yeah. The visuals of that movie are, are really the good. The, They're the really scary. Systems. The whole jaw, like, basically unhinging <laughs> yeah. and getting wider than any jaw uh, could. They do like that. Like the mummy. Yeah, you know, they do that where her mouth looks a little too big. Yeah, yeah. the mummy too. What the fuck? And the eyes glaze <laughs> over like the like, that was scary. like uh, evil so dead, like dead eyes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Amanda, is that why you thought she was ugly? Because she had CGI mouth and oh, eyes? Oh, it's because you know that that wasn't really what she looked like. God damn it. Well, neither Chris Hemsworth in the first Thor. Anyway. you know. Oh, I think he looks terrible in that. If you ever want to freak somebody, if you ever want to look really weird in a movie... Just shave your eyebrows off. Yeah. You know, uh, what's what's her name? Whoopi Goldberg. No. Guns Akimbo. No, stop. Yes. Yes. What's her name? Uh, uh, weaving. Samara, Hugo Samara Weaving. Samara Weaving. Yes. <laughs> Samara Weaving is a pretty is a pretty pretty person, I feel like. Pretty I feel person. like she's an attractive person. Watch her in Guns Akimbo. You're like, who the fuck is that? And you Samara realize weaving. later it's Samara Weaving. She just <laughs> shaved her eyebrows off. What else what is she, she from? Who's um, that? Is? Oh, she's in that one movie. I was like, you're next. Yeah, you said Samara that. Samara Weaving. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, what's yeah. the what's is that the, oh, is yeah, that the that movie gr- with the board game? Oh, wait, isn't she also in no. um Bad Batch? <laughs> oh, that <laughs> yeah. awful movie. Yeah. Yep. She is. We don't talk about that. Mike Flanagan did not direct Bad Batch. <laughs> All right. Anything else on uh, Ouija? Uh, it had it had ET guy. He will be uh, it's his first film with um with Mike Flanagan, yes. Yeah. yeah. What's I, his name? Henry, Henry Thomas. Thomas. E.T. Thomas. We're going to be talking said. about him a lot. Elliot. Yeah, Dakota I like and I lot. frequently call him Elliot. Elliot. Uh, it's an okay movie to me. It's not, okay. it's definitely. Uh, 50-50 right now. It's like C tier if I were ranking oh, wow. Mike Flanagan C? movies. I would give it a C plus. Wow. C plus plus maybe. Is there a C plus if you rank them? Yeah, sure. sure. Anyway, what do we got next? Jesse? So we're just we go gonna to skip over. We're not gonna talk about the movie's premise, like like what happens. Go ahead. Oh, we kind of you kind of did. One. It's it's about a, a a single mom who tricks people <laughs> into thinking she can. So what I really like though is the take he take. You could have just easily made her like a fraudster, but really she sees what she's doing as trying to help people find closure. So a fraud. She well, is, but <laughs> but it could have been somebody who's just trying to get money from people and just. But uh, does she get money for her? Work? She gets like five dollars a. That was a lot back then. It that's like could a, have been. That's like twenty bucks. That's like twenty bones, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like the only thing she knows how to do, and she. But she's not so doing she's it as swindler. like these idiots. Like she's not taking that approach. She's a very like kind person, and she grew up with her mother being a real. Her mother what, what was a real fortune teller. Yeah. Huh. What happens to her at the end of the movie? She die. She dies. Good. You know why? Because bad people die. Because yeah. redheads taking kill money. No, it's people. because the ghosts stab her. But that doesn't make sense. But anyway, <laughs> um, I did want to say though. Yeah, that the redheaded daughter is definitely the worst part of that movie. <laughs> she's okay. She's in several of his works, by the way. Is yeah. it because she has red hair that she's the worst? I think I think she's naturally <laughs> evil because of that. Yes. Wow. Okay. She, so at this point, too, the the okay, Mike Flanagan be. look for like his actors is actually more like redheaded, pale <laughs> women, and it's Twin? very quickly going to start shifting to dark haired, pale women. <laughs> Probably. Which for Hill House actually worked out because they're all related. I so. love. Dark pale women. women pale women i just don't go outside it's not worth it okay it's bad for it's getting mean, weird we're moving on get so, a little vitamin no. d when, go back inside. i'll stay pale when for you, asked buddy. why you, he has this like look and if it was conscious of him casting people who have a certain look he said that at first he was very much trying to avoid casting people who looked like his loved ones and then eventually just was like screw it i'm just gonna cast women who look like my mom so <laughs> so if carly Bucina. Lo- 
Anyway, uh, and then eventually he just started casting his loved one. He <laughs> never yeah. his bread and butter right there. Uh, moving on to 2017, finally, I want to talk about one of my favorite, I think, works he's done. Gerald's Game. Ooh, Absolutely yeah. thought it was a great adaptation of Fuck. the Stephen King um, book. And written, directed by him as well. Starring a uh, small cast as well. Carla Gugino plays the main character, Jesse. Um, Bruce Greenwood, which you might know from Star Trek. He also does the voice of Batman in some of the animated shows. Um, Henry Thomas uh, comes back for mm-hmm. this one. Kate Siegel. Um, and then... Who's Henry, who's Henry Thomas? Uh, Elliot. Okay, good. Oh. Moment, just call him Elliot from <laughs> E.T. I, for I, you. Do, I don't know that his name. When you said that, I was like, who? And then you said e, from E.T. And e. I was T. like, oh, E.T. kid. And uh, we'll talk about him a little more as we go through the somewhat plot of this uh, movie. But Carol Strucken plays the moonlight man what what is oh, the yeah, plot yeah, let's yeah. just do that up oh front wait so kate's in there too along. though he said that he said oh, did that you? i missed it i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. so the this um couple that's been together for a long time gets uh, goes to this getaway house um in the woods and uh essentially they want to uh spice up their marriage a little bit they're on the rekindle. rocks yeah they're definitely rekindle, been on the rocks rekindle things that have been lost and uh the husband uh handcuffs his wife to the bed and in between uh, some canoodling, he has a heart attack and dies. Canoodling. On top of her. Yes. So the main character now is uh, stuck, trapped to this, uh, uh, handcuffed to this bed. And it's about her struggle survival. and survival, basically, of trying to get out of these handcuffs and survive and, and get help. What's some trivia you know about this movie, Jesse? Um, I don't know. Feed me some trivia. Um, what's the main actress's name? Carla Gugino. She was not originally cast in the oh, role. Oh, correct. Yep. Just like in the other movie we talked about, uh, there was another actress that that dropped out two weeks before production. Two weeks she before production. Uh, no, she just dropped out, and oh. so they were li- like, he, Mike Flanagan was like, "Oh, this movie's not going to get yep. made. My yep. lead just dropped out. We're not going to make this." So, Katie, um, get in here. We need you. <laughs> no. Why, I, know they, I know they switched, Carla, but I'm just saying. Right. What? But so Carla. Carla uh, takes on the role, and he said she's literally the person that was, like, the glue that got it to all stick together yes. because everyone was like, this is not going to fucking work. And she showed up. She's like, no, we're going to do this. And and before, a lot of people had thought this this story was not going to work as a movie. People thought it's it was. It's a tough sell. It, yeah. it is. Like, they were like, you are not going to be able to transform this into a movie. And I think after you watch it, you're like, oh, this fucking absolutely works. Wait, wait. Who wrote Gerald's Game? Who Stephen King. Stephen King. Who, that's why I'm asking. It was. A, oh, I was setting oh. you up. They never make Who movies. Who the fuck do you think? They never make movies based on Stephen King. Well, and, and think you of it that. Stupid bitch. You dumb. <laughs> Chris. Chris, think of it that way. Too Amanda saying that to me. Oh. Look at how many of Stephen King's works have been done multiple times, yeah. and no one had done that up to this point. Right. So, like, people were like, "This is untouchable." Well, it's not that old in the grand scheme of Stephen King, at least. Like nineties. Like yeah. It? Yeah. Um, it's so, I don't know. I think people tend to reach further back for his And it's also not books. a traditional horror story mm-hmm. in right. a sense. This is, this is a survival thriller It's actually, thriller to movie. me, more Stephen King than some of the movies that do get, or books Very, that do get yes. adapted. It's actually much closer to what his, his book genre really is. Well, as, as the, you know, several hours go on that she's trapped, um, in this room, she, you, you, she goes through her life and you see some past traumas that are resurfacing now that she's stuck in this situation that she, you know, has to find a way to get out of. And you just like Oculus, you son of a yes. bitch. And this is where you start to see where he kind of, you know, does some Parallels. stories. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the, 
I think he does such a wonderful job of weaving these memories and dreams and how do we use those to help us in mm-hmm. the present and yeah. the future and cope and cope. you know and and that's very much some of like the the the, the family stuff right like yeah. this is what makes you who you are this, he, he loves to explore family and it made yeah. me wonder if it's he, important if he has a like, trauma trauma in his childhood not really uh he had a pretty average childhood except for that his father was in um i think he said the navy or the Coast Guard, but regardless, he was out at sea a lot, and he would ship off, and um, they didn't have phones One on sec. the boats. That's not how you talk into that mic. What do you mean? You have to turn it and talk into the side of it. That's stupid. Is that going to mess with audio? I think I mean, it's a we, multi-directional. We he did, a, he did oh, a test. It's omnidirectional. We did and I test. had it like this. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. sorry. Already yeah, sorry. Just Nick always talks to it differently. I thought there was a reason <laughs> so why. Nick's just special. His dad would be on ships out at sea a lot and not have any telephone communication the only way he'd be able to communicate with him is written letter and pigeons basically written letters wow. that would get mailed Navy in pigeons Jesse. so um, bombs. <laughs> eventually his dad did retire and would spend a lot more time at home but with the pigeons like otherwise <laughs> he had a super normal family mm-hmm. relationship that's the most fucked up um, shit right there but he did get bullied a lot as a kid there you so go. that obviously always creates an artist so <laughs> uh, one way or the other <laughs> look at my paintings they are children dead in the street yikes not street cafeteria let's say that uh what you got chris have you seen this one yeah fuck yeah that chance to see what's her name mostly naked for mm. most of the movie i'm gonna watch mm. that spy no. kids mom yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> I did, i've never seen spy kids because i was should. Bef- i was just before that. that i did i, I was your more of the, had, she was during that upbringing i was more of the desperado <laughs> she in desperado no no she's no. not i'm talking about the director who directed robert spy rodriguez kids. robert rodriguez um jail's game was fucking cool uh it also there's there's a lot of things in these movies that bring up like i don't know how that feels and I never will know how that feels. And it makes me really upset that these kinds of things happen mm-hmm. to people. And I wish that I could do literally anything to stop it from happening to those that I love and care about. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, just to touch base a little bit on what Chris is talking about, um, Jesse, the 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 main lead character. role, the main character, she finds out that although she feels like she's been running away from her father and people like her father, she married someone just Just like like her father. And it's that realization of where she had to fight to survive as a child. And now she has to do that as an adult. And, and, Ooh, I got, I got some goosebumps, but like, that's just like, that's the kind of work that Mike Flanagan can, you know, Stephen King, he can adapt Mm -hmm. that though and show that. And there's dream sequences and, and just the way that's conveyed, like, again, Take out the fact that she is – take out the the thriller part of this, right? Take out the headboard, take out the handcuffs, all of that, and you still have this very human story that you could tell either way. And the handcuffs and the headboard and everything happening are just the vessel to tell that story. And yeah. it's just such a Mike Flanagan thing to do. It's her journey. Absolutely. It's a, He is on a podcast with that's hosted by Elijah Wood. But um, That's amazing. Th- I know. Shout he it out. What is it? Uh, Visitations. It's actually a Shutter produced oh, cool. hot podcast or he, he and uh the other guy whose name i can't remember they interviewed directors um hmm. and uh they interviewed him and elijah wood called his work like a trojan horse like yeah absolutely of, of using horror as the trojan horse yeah, to bring vessel. in the other deeper more profound uh topics 
And I didn't want to take claim for that uh, comparison, so I had to shout out Elijah Man, Wood. I'm sure. That I'm sure he cares. <laughs> he would have got you, Jesse. Why do you Why do you think that that you like Gerald's game so much? Um, I think it was the first time I really got to see him in a in a in a work of art. This feels like. Uh, this feels more in line with some of his more recent stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, and he goes on to say that this is a very personal work for him, that yes, maybe he hasn't had a traumatic experience like the main character, but a lot of those feelings and, and those things that, that people go through are, are kind of wrapped up in this in this movie. Um, and there, you throughout the movie, you think there might be some supernatural elements going on. There's this, they call the Moonlight Man that she sees at night in the room which most of this movie takes place in and the whole time i'm like oh this is creepy this is getting some weird like aspects and i i don't think i'd ever read the story yeah um tall gangly man mm-hmm. sunken face mm-hmm. big eyes just very very staring at her tall stature who ends up being another person he uses a lot yes. carol what carol uh strunk struck in it's hard to say that name struck in struck in yep struck in struck in um but he he kind of plays another central villain in the story, so to speak. But and at the at the whole time, I'm like, oh, maybe he's not real. This is something in her head. She's just hallucinating. She's hallucinating. She but I'm, I, spoilers, if you spoilers, care. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. That guy's fucking real. He's yeah. fucking real the whole time. In that yeah. was the scariest thing ever. He is a real person that breaks into people's homes. And terrorizes them. He murders a few of them. Murders yeah. them, takes their yep. possessions, and leaves. Yes. And he, uh, but he never kills her. Uh, that's. I think uh, at, the, at the end, that's like a question she has is why didn't he ever kill her? Because mm-hmm. she was too... I mean, she's just laying. Could, yeah. But it, that's so scary. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a really cool, like, oh my God, that, that was more frightening to me than anything else I had seen. Like, there was a ghost or a monster that just some person could break into your home and fuck with you. Yeah. But fucking frightening. And... You know, the other thing I really like is that it does end on a higher note than I think a mm-hmm. lot of his other stories and that she faced her inner demons throughout this uh, tribulation and that she was going to give up yeah. at some point. Yeah. And going through her past allowed her to fight what was going on. To and fight her outer demons. She gets out of it in a pretty gruesome way. Devil. Well, it's this, disgusting. This movie is a big, like point for Mike Flanagan because first it's the first Stephen King Mm -hmm. adaptation he does and which for him I can't even imagine what that feels like he has he said that well also just so exciting is the first book that got him into horror was it by Stephen Mm -hmm. King he read it in fifth grade and he said it actually scared him a lot but he told himself if I read one more chapter I'm that much braver so he just forced himself through each chapter at a time and he kept telling himself this is how I I exercise the bravery muscle exercise and the kid logic is awesome yeah <laughs> but like i related to that so much i would make myself look at scary things as a kid and like read scary things because i was like that makes me tough i'm going to, i can stand up to it better if i'm if i'm experiencing it and um but imagining reading a stephen king book when you're in fifth grade and then you get to direct one of stephen king's works but that's also like you said so much pressure because stephen king isn't He's not fond of most of his. He's not nice when it's bad. Yeah, oh yeah. Or when he just doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. Famously, he hates The Shining enough that he remade it himself. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously, he hates like Running Man. He does not like it. It's not it's Lawnmower <laughs> Man. He, they're not. Oh. <laughs> Stephen King's so, a fucking uh, idiot. But, but yeah, Mike okay. Flanagan actually got to speak to Stephen King to do this and get his Let input. Me guess. And he doesn't like Sleepwalkers either. 
No. What an ass. So he was it, in the movie. He was in the movie. <laughs> he was it's in the funny movie. that you say that, though, uh-huh. because um, Mike Flanagan has said that, um, and, and something that I, I forgot to mention, you know, he said that he was scared as a kid in one more step. He was terrified every time he did one of these movies we've talked about because he's like, if I fuck this up, this could be the last one. When he was doing Oculus, when he was doing Ouija, he's like, if this doesn't go well, like, I'm just, I'm done as a director. And he said that once he finished Gerald's Game, he's like, I'm not scared anymore because I got to do Gerald's Game. So if this is the last one, like, I'm cool That's with it. it. Yeah. He's done. He did fucking um, stellar with it. And, and Stephen King loves that, he does. that movie too. So. Um, it's also the, the first time I think we see Mike Flanagan's weird thing with... Um, doing bad things to hands he does it yes. a lot and a lot of star wars fans out there like i get it <laughs> which is funny because actually i think that's a phobia of a lot of people is hurting your hands in a terrible way you know not a phobia but i'd prefer not yeah no dude it terrifies <laughs> it freaks me. out a lot of people i think about that shit more than i should like i'm playing video games for three or four hours and i'm like just what if something happened and i couldn't I couldn't shoot with this finger anymore. You know what I mean? This the, I'd have to find some alternate way to pull this trigger in this in this fucking video We'd game. We 3D print you a finger. That'd be rad. Thanks, guys. We're getting there. Do we, we have 3D it. printers? Yeah. I do. Yeah. Oh, you do? You wouldn't know. I haven't used it yet. Nope. Oh. It's out of since May, but... You could print me a 3D hot. finger anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just I know somewhere you could put it. Spare. Alrighty, buddy. Oh, are we on the, What's the next What's the tiny one? little baby thing that Ooh. we have next that people are going to have an aha moment about? Okay. Perhaps one of the... I'm going to say this... In my opinion, one of the greatest works in TV slash movie history, The uh, Haunting of Hill House. I'm that. with you. I'm with you. Let's came do out in 2018, and it has several people now that he's employed. Yeah. At this point, he's kind of kept a, a troop, if you will. He of, calls it his family, his yes. work family. The, the Mike uh, Flanafam. The Flanafam, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he has kept several of those people that have helped him make these movies and act in these movies and created... The Haunting of Hill House. And it's that kind of, uh, to me, feels very familiar. That's a very theater thing. You have a theater mm-hmm. troupe that does shows, and they call themselves a troupe. They're the yeah. Mike yeah. Flanagan troupe. Yeah. So. Once he did Oculus, it's kind of when he was like, I like these people. I want to mm-hmm. work with them more often. And he literally kept like the same production crew yes. like throughout. Yes. And then people would come on, and they'd be like, I like this. So he's like, well, just keep working with me. It's, Join the Flanifam. It's gotten to the point where um, if one of them's not going to be included in something, they'll call them. Like, hey, where's my Well, where's no, my Mike, I'm saying Mike Flanagan and his team call, and oh. they're like, so there's not a role in this for you, but we're going to find something, you know, later on. Yeah. Kill so. you next time. Yeah. Whoa, he directed, Brad, produced, created this, this series. Um, it's the most dread I think I've ever felt in watching any movie. Like, I can watch tons of horror movies, and there's things that scare me and things that creep me out. But there's a sense of dread and reality and our mortality, I think, is what it is that makes me so afraid of some of the things that, that happen in the show that he talks about. And this is where the dialogue, uh, the the monologue, I'm sorry, really comes into play. And he uses it in such a way that it becomes the, the it becomes the action of the episode in some ways. Right. It's like the driving force. And, and just so people know, it's an it's an adapted version of um, uh, what's Shirley it Jackson's mm-hmm. The Haunting of Hill House. And, and you know, what what he's done with it is he's created a, a, a story that is told in, in in two paths. It's the this family when they're younger mm-hmm. with their mother, Carla and Gugino. then when what? Carla Gugino. Yes, and then uh, when is that they're... Gerald's game lady. Yeah, yes. yeah. Is and she then naked in this one? No, no. But there's still sexy time. <laughs> oh, okay. And the story also takes place when they're adults and figuring out what happened to their mother. Yeah, essentially the 
you know, in the current timeline, the kids have all gone very different paths. And this event that we get sneak peeks of throughout this, the, the series has really forced them into fuck them up yeah who they are and and some of them you know like like everyone else some people repress those memories some people use that to drive who they're going to become and i think there's a character for everybody in this Absolutely. show there's 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 always i think somebody that you can relate to um henry thomas who who is elliot from et he oh, okay, is good thank you fan, for like, who? he is fantastic i am yeah. so sad that he really didn't have a prolific career between et in this yeah. oh my god because amazing he's, he's great i mean he's definitely one of the best actors i've seen Absolutely. in a long time the uh, show explores like so many things that people can relate to and one of them being grief and um trying to understand the death of a loved one mm -hmm. that i think is part of what struck people because it's horror but got people from so many walks of life who are not into horror and so many people who can relate to those feelings um, and pulled them in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the biggest moments in the entire show is when um, they are kids. And um, so they're, they're staying in this house because the, the mom and the dad are renovating it in order to sell it. When I say house, it is it's a, a mansion. It's a it's mansion, a absolutely mm -hmm. massive. It's on its own estate. There are groundskeepers and people that work it and help things going. So they are just um, employed to to renovate it. So they're staying in in the meantime. Well, there's a scene where everyone's getting tucked in a bed and the dad is then closing all the doors and everything. And he goes down the hallway and then you hear this big commotion and then he goes back in and gets all of the kids out of bed. And it's like, okay, we need to go. We need to get in the car. We're, we're leaving right now. And you don't know what's going on. And the whole time they're asking where the mother is. He's like, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go. And everyone's like, where's mom at? And he pulls off. And that's, you know, starting the idea of what's going on. And it's such a cool metaphor for running. You know, you can run away from the past. You can run away from family. And those things may come back to haunt you. Mm. And, and it's such a, mm. a simple premise, right? But it just carries the entire story of what's going on and the the dad for the you know from when we see him in the future old, he is haunted by yes you know they're haunted by real ghosts they're haunted by you know metaphorical ghosts of of what happened what could have been and and it's one of those things where um he, he leaves those little breadcrumbs in the beginning you know right like he, he tells you what's going to happen in the beginning you just don't know it until it's, until it's happened yeah lots of symbolism and and he'll tell you and it's in your face and then it's that moment where you're like oh fuck yep here we go which that's something i mentioned to dakota when we we're watching uh midnight mass is mike flanagan always tells you straight up in the beginning what's going on mm -hmm. and what's what the story happen. is and yeah what's going to happen it's just up to you whether you can actually put those pieces together before it actually happens. And I love not being able to put it together, honestly. Me too. And But also coming to the end and being like, oh my gosh, it was there the whole time. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that he does that he wants you to do. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't, you obviously can't be like, oh, I see what's going on here. You're just like, oh, well, that's inconsequential. And then later you're like, fuck! Yeah. That is not inconsequential. Or you know it means something, but you don't know so what. Yeah, there you go. great rewatch value. Because you go back and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's going to yes, have absolutely. some impact. Like, yeah. I know why that's happening, especially with Hill House, which um, it plays so much with time. Time is huge. And and also um, 
he like I said before, he doesn't believe in ghosts, so he's so open to other theories about what ghosts are, and that's something else that this mm-hmm. messes with is mm-hmm. are ghosts really the spirits of dead people, or are they something else to do with spe- like with time travel and and time and space yeah. overlapping, um, which is a super interesting way to approach it for a film. I'm sorry. Did they show. dip sci-fi into into N- horror? No. Not no. blatantly. Do you do you know much about the show at all? Nothing. So this is where he became kind of infamous for hiding ghosts in the show. It's like a hundred of them. There's literally oh, like you like you just see him off to the side in the corner, yes. like yeah. a little or in the deep background. And Almost every episode, I believe every episode, every episode has dozens of hidden ghosts. And a lot of times, you know, when you're first watching it, you really don't know. Right. But by the second and third episode, you're starting to kind of feel paranoid. You're like, was that someone watching them? What is this? Another time she's like, oh, fuck. And I remember Amanda yeah. being like, what, what, what? And I was like, I saw a ghost. And we'd have to rewind it. And yeah. she'd be like, oh. And it's funny how your mind, if something's not moving, how easy it is for you to for overlook you to it. Completely. And then as soon as something shifts or something looks, you're like, holy fuck. Like, you're yeah. literally like, that is scary as shit. The statues, they would do the things where you're walking one way in the, in the statue's like that and then you walk the other way and when the camera pans back and it's looking at you the other oh, way because no. they Mm-mm. they genuinely would um move the camera would sets. would shift away and somebody would come on and move the statue before sure. the camera came back around they that's didn't... enough to fuck with me yeah so but you don't is... notice it it's not like really in your face unless yeah. you're looking for it you don't see it oh i'll see it so uh, now you will <laughs> there was there's a lot of significance for him in his career at this point this is the first time he did a show they filmed for a mm-hmm. hundred days straight which is more than if you take all the time of him filming everything else he had done up to this point together. Mm-hmm. So this is the most grueling. most grueling and least fun he ever had yeah. filming something. He lost 40 pounds while they were doing it, and it was nerve-wracking for him <laughs> doing it. And it is, like, one of his most prolific. Oh, and so it, I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, a masterpiece. And um, as he was gearing up to do it, he, he started putting in these random ideas. He was like, well, what if we tried this? And he's like, I've always wanted to do like uh, a whole episode that's a one a shot. Runner. And he's it's like, cl- it's um, close. there was another one. I'm sorry, man. I don't remember the name, but there was a Buffy episode that also inspired him as well. He was like, what if we took some of these ideas from this? And so it became this amalgamation. And I he just tell you the episode it com- if I knew. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. I'll show you the interview later. Okay. But it compelled him and drove him. Like he became a madman to trying oh, to together. do. Actually, I do know it's the body. Yes, that's it's the, the body. name of the episode. So <laughs> it, it compelled him and turned him into this like Ooh, obsessive yeah. fiend to get this show done, and it nearly ruined him. Yeah. He he says that it almost killed him, and when he said it, there, he's like, "No, it almost killed me." Yeah, um, that famous Warner episode. So episode one of the greatest episode. things I've ever seen. Um, yeah, Dakota's obsessed with it. I think we watched it immediately again, like yeah. after we watched it, we just started it over um, or watched it the next day or something. Um, but he said afterwards, never again, never again for something like that. And then immediately did one for Midnight Mass. What's really cool <laughs> about that scene is that you see both the young actors and the old actors in the same scene. So there's a part where the camera's panning and they literally have to basically swap them out swap them out yeah so you see them as kids and all of a sudden they're kind of going around and everybody switches but they're all in the same positions all in the same spots and it's It's, seamless and and they also the way they built the set 
they're moving between sets and the one shot as well. So it's going and in between, between points periods. in time. So they built their set. So like, cause one of the major sets is obviously the house, but then there's also um, one of the home. kids. Yeah. They grow up to, to run a funeral home. So like they're walking through a door and their kids in the house. And as they walk through in the camera pans, it's now the adult version of them walking through the funeral home. That's Which, cool as shit. It, and there's I, a thunderstorm going on both times, and that's what's kind of linking it all together. And I don't know if either of you remember. I think it's actually like three oneers that are stitched they together. Are. It's three, yeah. three shots total. And then I think within the last five minutes of the episode, something there's like ha- a yeah one shot one very fourteen sp- minutes though, yeah thirteen yes. or fourteen minutes. Yeah. It's um it's. So the whole world was obsessed with this they episode built when it elevators came out. in order to get camera and crew out and back so in place. This episode, I would be willing to say, drew people in who weren't already wa- watching film, it. Film people. There were people it. who yeah. kept hearing how incredible this episode was who was like, well, I guess I got to watch the just, show now. Yeah, just like the Daredevil fight scene one or basically yeah. Yeah, this whole people one. in as well. Yeah. So Talk about great, great casting as well. The, the kids... I think did just as well as the adults Those did. Kids so strong. Look like their ad- yeah. adult counterparts too. Um, the 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 little Luke they had, most adorable kid ever. The ugly girl's in this too, isn't she? Yes, she is. She's she sure young is. Shirley. Oh, she's, she's young so Shirley. good. Oh wait, she was isn't really she ugly? Oh, I thought she was kind of not cute in this too. What a I didn't piece say she was cute. Shit. I said she was great. She's a very good little actress. Yeah. You're so luxist. <laughs> it's it's upsetting just, to me. Listen. When you've got a child that's as cute as Jacob Tremblay that you just don't want anything bad to happen to, and then you have these kids, I'm like, mm. I don't believe that was Jacob Tremblay. He's not in that. No, no but no, I'm no. saying he's in Mike Flanagan stuff, oh, and yes. you're like, anything bad happens to you, I'll rage. But this little girl, I'm like, wow. Go. go. I mean, Shirley was one Shirley of the was least likable characters. He, she's yeah. actually Mike Flanagan's favorite character, though. He relates Which to her the most. Named after the. Shirley Jackson. Yeah. But he said he relates to her the most, her, how she reacts and yeah. how she's so resistant to. To anything weird going on. Not as resistant oh. as uh, Stephen was. Well, okay. Chris, do you remember the the like late '90s movie, The Haunting, with Liam Neeson? That movie's so good. And Owen Wilson, Owen Wilson yeah. and Mich- uh, 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 Catherine, Catherine Zeta, Zeta Jones. Jones. It's so good. Yes. We're, yeah. So, so yes. this is adapted from the same book. Oh. Yeah. Four strangers are invited to stay the night in a in the house. Fuck. They put the, the yeah. uh, vision. Go- they don't do the goggles. No. That'd be stupid. But so that's a thirteen ghosts. So that is adapted from classic. the same book, and this is considered like you know, one of the greatest horror shows, at least yep. one of the greatest shows of all time, and it just shows, like, it's a masterclass in how to adapt well, a, also a story. How, um, one of the greatest haunted house novels of all time. He grew up reading it. You can can see that too. Just he, and they said on set that he had an answer for everything. He just had everything memorized and ready to go and what they needed to do. So if anyone ever had a question, he knew how to talk them through it. Yeah. Also, uh, this book was incredibly hard to get a hold of in a bookstore as soon as this came out. Of course. I remember the Halloween after it, or not Halloween, (laughs) the Christmas after it came out, it was just gone from Barnes and Noble. You couldn't get it. Yes. Uh, Facebook, social media, this went viral, this show did, and it, and it um, happened at the right time for him, and I, this was really, if nothing else up to this point, this was a driving force for a lot of people being introduced to his work at this point, and it kind of set a standard for him going forward, you know, of holding him, because people know what he's able to do. Yep. Um, it, it's just, it's a powerful story of, of family, and and, you know, even more just... You know, if you believe in the adage that love never dies or, you know, that that where do we go when we're dead or is there anything left of us once we're gone? And in something else we'll talk about later or really the next couple of works he does that that's a continuing, you know, thing. For sure. So to um, 
Do you guys have anything else to say about Hill House? I love it. I could go on for hours. To wrap it up, without giving away too much to Chris, um, do you like the ending? I love the ending for this story. I do, too. For the story that was told, I love the ending they used. Very much a lot of people do not like the ending. They think it's too hopeful. And uh, God, you needed something by the end of it. <laughs> right. I feel like it could be hopeful or it couldn't be hopeful. Exactly. There are there are two ways you can take he's, this ending. He's accused of having two hopeful of endings in his films. How funny. I know. Whoa. I think that's so, so jaded of especially the horror community. What? Oculus, though, is what? Well, no, oh, he, I remember mean, in Ouija in the end, it was so hopeful. No, I didn't see yeah, that. Like I said, he's called that a very nihilistic <laughs> I was, I was movie. But, but so is Ouija hush. or not Ouija. Uh oculus as yeah. well okay i he, guess people had, like to cherry pick for their point yeah um before i wake um hush uh gerald's game although he didn't write that story but he started to lean into a more hopeful ending at this part of his life and i think actually <laughs> Chris, <laughs> I, I just don't think it's so spelled out as people right. want to see it as and I think people you can need see to, it both ways yeah people think need to think a little bit more intellectually about it rather than just taking it for face well, value and i think what jesse's also hinting at is it may it may set up uh it may set a premise for what you think but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that's actually what's happening right. so yeah. for sure uh, last thing I'll say about it is that there is a a sleep paralysis episode, oh. yeah. And I I suffer from sleep paralysis quite often. Awesome. And uh, it it I was it, it was awesome. the hardest hitting episode for me by yeah. far. It is very accurate. I feel to what people see or think they see when those things happen. Um, and it was truly frightening. I I literally couldn't sleep that night. I went to bed. I probably finally fell asleep about four thirty or five in the morning. Had to work the next day. And it, that's how much it got to me. Isn't that Some, interesting? Sometimes you got to take a mental health day because the horror show hit too hard. Yeah, you just <laughs> got to take a day. I was just like, hey, guys, you want to buy some furniture? You guys said, like, there's a character for everybody in this. And I think that goes deeper than just, like, there being a character you like. There's things that everybody can relate to. There's yeah. that for you. Mm-hmm. I, I have a family member whose favorite character was the, what's the brother's name? Luke. Luke. Oh, yeah, Luke. Because he can relate to that so much. He can relate to that struggle. Finding his own place in his head well yeah. that and just the struggle with substance abuse mm. and oh like, yes yes and of substance abuse is a huge thing for mike flanagan too Absolutely. because he was an alcoholic for a long time so and we'll get to last name flanagan. i'm out of the... substance can we take a break <laughs> yes wait hold on this, this might, be, last, a, this might be a tour the last thing that i will say is that um hill house had one of the craziest jump scares that oh. has ever happened to me it oh. shook me that was mean in the last my, episode it, it shook Is it me the last to, one yeah mm-hmm. no it, yes it shook me to my core to a point to where i think i had i think i made us pause the episode for yeah. a second you got to, to get, get over like, it. Just show yourself. it 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 was such a, a jump scare that the actors in the scene didn't even know it was going to happen well so victoria padretti the actress who now yeah now who causes the jump scare uh, mike flanagan told her just come in whenever you want they had two pages of dialogue left before she was actually scripted to come in. So that's why they didn't know. The Their reactions are <laughs> I almost shit legit. my pants. <laughs> it's, yeah, the best. And thus ends part one of Mike Flanagan shenanigans. Join us later this week for part two and three on Digital Bath Podcast.